So the last few weeks, uh, just to start, last few weeks, we are starting a new sermon series on uh, mission, mission of our church and God's mission in our community. Uh, it's coming out of actually a couple conversations I've had over the last few months of, of people, some of you, asking, where are we headed? What's the direction of our church? What's our, what's our vision? What are our goals? What are we up to? I've heard some people ask questions like that. I've heard some people ask, uh, or stated, or kind of expressed in a different way. Some people asking uh, about the baptistry, saying, you know, I've noticed we haven't used that in a while. What are we doing? How are we working at that? I had some people just uh, expressing in general a question uh, about this idea that, the sense that we're meant for more. I mean, it's great that we gather on Sunday, but God has put this desire in my heart to see our whole community following him. So what are we up to? I might imagine many of you are wondering that from time to time. Where are we headed? Where is this church going? What's our direction? Sometimes I wonder about that. I think often about the baptistry and the last time that it was used over a year ago. And I pray about seeing more people coming to faith. But I thought about one of my contributions to our conversation about where are we headed as a church? What's the direction for this church, Lord? And I thought a great place to uh, bring uh, Scripture to bear is the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. The book of Acts is an amazing book about the mission of God's church. It's about God's church on mission, about the Holy Spirit out in the world at work and the church catching up and joining in God, joining God in what he's doing. I don't know if you, I mean, if you think about the book of Acts and you hear these, these constant stories of this outward motion. There's this constant story of mission that leads to more mission. There's this outward momentum to it. And it seems like every time the church is persecuted in one place, they just scatter and spread to cities all around. It's a fascinating thing how God did that and how that worked. It's almost like the harder it was for them, the, the further and faster they spread. And so I'm not sure exactly what will, as a church, what will bring out of this book of Acts. But I think it's important to see how the church in the beginning was on mission, on God's mission, and to put that into the mix of our conversation about where are we headed as a church? What are our goals? What's our vision? And so let's listen to this story again. See, in Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. He was a centurion and uh, what was known as the Italian regiment. He and his whole family were devout and God-fearing. And he was generous with people in need, and he prayed to God regularly. And one day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God. This angel of God came to him and said, Cornelius. And Cornelius stared at him in fear. And he said, what is it, Lord? The angel answered him and said, your prayer and your gifts to the poor have come before God, have come up as a memorial offering before God. So send some men to, to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He's standing with Simon the tanner whose house is by the sea. So after this angel who spoke to Peter had, had gone away, had left, he called two of his servants and a soldier, a devout soldier, who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened, and he sent them to Joppa. 
Well, the next day at about noon, while they were on their journey and approaching Joppa, Peter, the Apostle Peter, went upstairs to pray. And he became hungry and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. In Greek it said he went into ecstasy. He saw heavens opened and something like a large sheet being set down or coming down from heaven by its four quarters. It was, it was uh, filled. It contained all types of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. And then the voice from heaven spoke. said, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Peter cried out, May it never be. <laughs> no way, Lord. No way. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke a second time and said, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken up in heaven. And while Peter was, was wondering about this vision that he had seen, the men who had come from Cornelius, they found out where Simon's house was, and they stopped at the gate. And calling out, they asked, Is Simon, the one who is called Peter, staying here? And while Peter was still upstairs, still thinking about this vision, the Holy Spirit spoke to him. He said, Simon, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. And don't hesitate to go with them because I have sent them. So Peter got up and he went downstairs. And he asked the men, why are you here? Or he said, actually, I'm the one you're looking for. Why are you here? And they said, we've come from Cornelius, a centurion. He is a holy man. And God-fearing. He is righteous and God-fearing. And all, and all of the Jews who know him, they respect him. And so they said to Peter um, these things. And then Peter says to them, Oh, actually, no, I'm sorry. The, the Holy Spirit said to him, come, and he wanted the, Holy, the angel wanted Peter, or sorry, Cornelius to ask Peter to come to his house so that he might tell him everything, everything that he had to say. And so Peter welcomed them into his home as his guest. See, I love this story. And I wanted to tell it to you without reading it because in the next few weeks, we're going to keep growing because it's actually almost a chapter and a half, and it's way more interesting to hear it when someone tells it to you rather than reads it. But just this first section I wanted to focus on because I don't know if you've caught this, but as I've been studying it, realizing that the Holy Spirit is at work, that God is already out in the world, that the Holy Spirit is at work long before Peter ever talked to Cornelius about the gospel. Did you catch that? This is the important part, is that God is already at work. I know we talk about that often. I know we get that as a concept, but to see it here in this story, how it works. Because I think oftentimes we have the other idea. We have the idea that, that we are the ones who bring God out into the world. We're the ones, because we see it from human perspective, right? 
We go and we talk to someone for the first time that we've talked to them, and we think, ooh, this is, I'm introducing the gospel to them. And that might be true, but even in those cases, I believe that the Holy Spirit is already at work in someone. That God is at work in our community around us. I think about Marg's story, about sharing with her friend, and how the Holy Spirit, she's realizing the Holy Spirit is already at work here. I think about my conversations I've had with people, realizing, that, oh wow, God is already at work in this person, and he's just using me to join in what he's doing. See, we often look through our eyes, and we think that we are the ones who bring God. Kind of boldly going where no one has gone before, right? <laughs> but actually God is already at work. Sometimes I think we have the idea too that God is up in heaven. And he is. But we think that that's the only place he is. And he's just up there waiting for us to go out and figure it out. As I read this story, I realize that the Holy Spirit is already in this world at work. And so I was realizing that we don't take God on mission. We join God in mission. Let me say that again. We don't take God on mission. We join God in mission. Do you hear the difference? Now, I don't know about you, but that is so encouraging for me. That's encouraging me for, for a lot of reasons, but three I want to talk about. The first thing is that we are not alone. That when we go out to talk with our friends on purpose about our faith, about Jesus, about the good news that he is Lord and Savior, that we are not alone. It's not us out there in the world all alone. We are going out there, sometimes with friends, but oftentimes the Holy Spirit is there with us. Oftentimes our only friend with us is the Holy Spirit. And I know that that can feel difficult here in the Kootenays. When we talk with our friends at work, when we talk with our friends in the park, it can feel like, we're like one of the only people who actually believe Jesus is Lord and King. So it can feel like we're alone when we're talking with people about faith. But as I listen to the story, I realize that the Holy Spirit is already at work. The Holy Spirit was at work in Cornelius' life long before Peter even knew Cornelius. The Holy Spirit goes before us. We don't take God on mission. We join God in mission. So that's the first thing, is that we're not alone. The second thing that encouraged me was that we don't have to figure out the right thing to say. And I know that there are lots of books and lots of theories and things on the right way to do evangelism, or yet another good strategy on how to bring people to Jesus. And those things aren't bad in their right place, but I know that that can feel confusing for people. What technique do I use right here? What diagram? What words should I say? When we realize the Holy Spirit is already at work in people's lives, it totally changes it. From what's the right thing to do here to, Lord, how are you already at work? Do you hear the difference? Holy Spirit, what are you already doing and how can I join you? <clears throat> I had this friend who, his uh, uh, marriage fell apart a few years ago, or his uh, relationship, uh, loves to talk about politics and life, and he has this nagging sense that things aren't the way they're supposed to be. He has this nagging sense that things are getting worse. And so I'm able to talk with him about that angst that he feels. And I talk with him about how my faith in Jesus shapes the way I think about this world, but also how my faith and my hope that he is returning soon helps me live despite how broken things seem. 
So I see the Holy Spirit at work in him. And so rather than me trying to come with my own ideas, I join in what God's doing. So I know he spends quite a bit of time by himself. So I invite him into community. Have him over for meals. Invite him over to talk. As a way to join in what the Holy Spirit is doing. And it's interesting because as I talk, as I hear from you, knowing what to say is one of the hardest things about mission. That's what most of you tell me. I just don't know what to say. I don't know how to begin. And so this changes it. If we realize that the Holy Spirit is already at work in someone's life, then it changes it from, what do I say? To praying, Lord, how do I join you? Holy Spirit, please show me where you're at work in this person's life and show me how I can join in. Do you hear the difference? So that's the second thing, is that one, it takes the pressure off me about what do I say. Rather than trying to get just the right words at just the right time, I join in the Holy Spirit. And that's kind of the third part is that, or the third reason why I'm excited about it is because it reminds me that this ultimately is up to God. A person's conversion, a person realizing who Jesus is, that's the Holy Spirit's work. As much as I would love to be able to do that in people, I can't. The Holy Spirit's work. And that reminds me that I have an important part to play, but not a vital part. Even if I totally blow it, the Holy Spirit can work with that because ultimately it's up to him. The Holy Spirit can bring in other people. And sometimes we think like, oh, I said just the wrong thing. And then a few years later, that person remembers that conversation and another conversation they're having with someone totally different and it clicks for them. It reminds us that the fruit of faith comes from the Holy Spirit. That we're part of the team, but it's not up to us. And that totally takes the pressure off. And it kind of enables us not to become at people stiff and rigid, like, I need to convert you right now, to, to natural, to realizing that it's not up to us, that maybe the Holy Spirit has other plans in their life. And that it's ultimately up to him. And so we're able to be their friend, to care like Mark, like your story, about caring for your friends. And like you, caring for the people from Jubilee over time, faithfully showing up. And I see the ministry that you have, not only to the people who are elderly, and some of them have, the, but the care workers, right? The conversations that you have, right? That we're able to bless people without strings attached. So as I've been reading this story this week, I've been thinking about how we as a church, how mission has always been a part of who we are as a church, but I've sensed in the last while it kind of growing a bit, becoming more of a central focus for us as mission, as a church on mission. And so people have been asking about where the, what's the vision, where are we headed? And I thought about the story of, of Peter going to Cornelius. And in some ways it's ironic how almost like Cornelius was sent to Peter so that Peter could go to Cornelius. Did you catch that? <laughs> the spirit moving Cornelius to send him? But realizing that mission, this part of God, this part of God's work, that the Holy Spirit is already out in front of us. So whether it's going to a friend or speaking at a group, we realize that the Holy Spirit is already at work, and that's good news because we're not alone. 
That's good news because it's not up to us to figure out exactly the right thing to say. And it's good news because it's not up to us to finally complete it. It's the Holy Spirit's work. That we don't take God on mission, but rather we join God in mission. You see, I see that same thing. So not only does it affect the way we go out and share our faith with others, but it also affects the way we approach the mission, the, the direction of our church. The same things apply. And when we start praying, Lord, where are we headed? We start praying, Lord, where are you already at work? So rather than the, the leaders of the church gathering around saying, well, I think this is the most pragmatic way for us to, to move as a church, we simply pray, pray, Holy Spirit, where are you already at work? How do we join you? This is an interesting thing. We're just getting started in Cornelius and Peter's interaction. And this is a central story in the book of Acts. As the people of God begins to disperse throughout the Gentile world. One of the reasons why God gave Peter this vision was to break down some of his barriers about Gentiles. So that he would go to the wrong sort of people and realize that the Holy Spirit is already at work. Amen.